Hundreds of thousands of businesses here in Canada are warning that they may be forced to close if the federal government doesn't extend the deadline for repaying COVID support loans. Bitcoin ETFs have a huge launch in the U.S. U.S. inflation was higher than expected in December. How is this going to affect the Fed's next rate decisions? And Meta offers to pay tens of millions for illegally using Canadians' names and faces in its ads. Today is Monday, January the 15th, 2024. Let's get started with today's news. Back in April 2020, when the world was pretty much still in a panic over the COVID-19 pandemic, the federal government handed out about $49 billion in emergency loans as part of a program called the Canadian Emergency Business Account, or CBA, to almost 900,000 businesses in Canada. Uh, the support went out to businesses of all sizes. At the time, it was pretty much critical to ensure the survival of the economy. As Perrin Beattie, who is the President and Chief Executive Officer of the Canadian Chamber of Commerce said, the program was essential and it saved a very large number of businesses. One of the big differentiating factors between these SIBA loans and much of the other money that was sent out by the government during that pandemic was that the intent here was that the loans would always be repaid. They weren't just simply uh, money sent out to provide extra cash flow to businesses. Um, there would be a subsidy in the form of a loan forgiveness for a portion of the loan, uh, but certainly not all of it. Well, here we are almost four years later, and the hard deadline for businesses to repay comes later this week on Thursday. And I say hard deadline because the government has previously extended the, the repayment deadline twice, but it looks like they're going to be holding fast uh, this coming week. There is one exception that has been made for, com uh, for companies that are currently negotiating refinancing with their banks they will have until March 28th uh, to make their final repayment. There is still today a growing number of small businesses that are asking the federal government to further extend the deadline. They're saying that they simply don't have, uh, they're not in a position to repay enough of the loan to secure that forgivable portion. Uh, Dan Kelly, he's the president of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. He said in November that he's worried about catastrophic failures if the deadline isn't further extended. In November, he said, I really worry that if government pushes too hard and keeps its current SEBA deadline, there will be many businesses. We estimate up to 250,000 small businesses that will fail if they lose out on the forgivable portion of this loan. The Federation said that Ottawa should extend the deadline and estimates that the cost to the government would be in the range of about a billion dollars if they extended it for a year. The government fights back. They argue that they've already extended the loan deadline twice and they've also provided additional flexibility along the way. There are others who actually agree with Audubon push back on this notion um, of extending it further. And they say that the SEBA program was designed to help businesses deal with a one-time shock way back in 2020. At some point, the program just simply has to come to an end, especially those who have already repaid their loans, perhaps by refinancing an, <clears throat> with an interest rate at another institution. There's a general consensus that the program has been running long enough, uh, it has been generous, and it can't go on forever. So what happens if the loans aren't actually repaid? They do become due in full and you lose the forgiveness portion. You'll also start uh, being charged an interest rate at 5%. According to the Canada Revenue Agency, businesses will have until December 31st, 2026 to complete the payment plan. As of the end of 2023, according to Statistics Canada, about 25% of these loans originally made out have been fully repaid. That leaves about $37.5 billion outstanding debt that still needs to be repaid. Before we jump into the next segment of news, we'd like to thank our good friends and sponsor of today's episode over at Addy, a company that is absolutely changing the game for real estate investing. 
Until now, investing in real estate has been an asset for the rich, requiring big down payments and the headache of managing crappy tenants. Well, Addy is here to change that. As the largest real estate crowdfunding platform in Canada, you can now own fractional shares of real estate projects right in your home city with as little as a dollar. Yes, as little as a dollar. On their extremely modern and easy to use app, you can view projects available for investment and get exposure to the real estate game with a dollar amount that you feel comfortable with. Fair warning, when these new projects drop, they sell out quick, and rightly so, as Addy boasts over $800 million in total asset value, they've been providing investors with capital appreciation and distributions that were not possible until now. You can start building your own little portfolio of real estate projects in their Addyverse like I have, and you can try them out for completely free by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting addyinvest.ca. Addy is now available in all provinces and territories, and you can use our code BEVIS50, that's B-E-A-V-I-S-50, to get 50% off your Addy One membership. Once again, you can visit their website at addyinvest.ca, that's A-D-D-Y invest.ca or click the link in the show notes and be sure to use the code beavis50 for 50% off on your addy one membership finally after months of speculation and a huge number of stops and starts the securities and exchange commission in the u.s they approved the new bitcoin exchange traded funds for sale um, in the u.s markets and last week certainly was an eventful week leading up to the approval first off as i reported on this channel last week there was a fake X post uh, from the SEC supposedly that announced that Bitcoin uh, ETFs had been improved. And upon that news, the price of Bitcoin shot up to about $47,600. Minutes later, though, the SEC announced that their X account had been hacked. The announcement was in fact fake. And immediately Bitcoin dropped back to sort of the 45400 um, range. Now, after that fake X post, one day later, the SEC officially, this time really officially announced that the new funds were approved and that led to um, huge uh, inflows into the ETFs. According to Reuters, there was about $4.6 billion in volume the first day of trading. And by the end of the second day, another $2.5 billion was traded. So that brings the total amount uh, to about $7 billion over those uh, two days. The bulk of the volume ran through the big money management companies, Grayscale, uh, BlackRock, and Fidelity took in uh, the bulk of that. For those keeping score, um, as of today, Bitcoin is trading at $42,300. This kind of takes me back to the uh, pot stock days when there was so much speculation about how well all the pot companies would do, how their prices would explode uh, once cannabis was decriminalized here in Canada. We all know how that story went. Uh, despite the excitement, not everyone believes that this is a panacea for cryptocurrencies. Some people warn investors to remain cautious. Probably leading that charge is the SEC Chairman Gary Gensler. Um, he, for one, did his best to temper expectations. Bitcoin itself, we did not approve. We do not endorse. This is a product called an exchange-traded product, a way uh, that investors can invest in that underlying non-security commodity called Bitcoin. So what he just said is important. He's not saying that the SEC has approved Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency for that matter. They've approved this trading vehicle, the, the ETF, for the underlying asset. But that doesn't mean that they believe in the asset in and of itself. Investors, I think, should be uh, aware that this, the underlying asset, is a highly speculative, volatile asset and uh, amongst its uh, use cases is really 
uh, for illicit activity, money laundering and sanctions and ransomware and the like. Clearly, uh, Gensler isn't a big fan of crypto itself, and he focuses on the illicit uses that we've seen take place over the years. Now, a lot of people have made the store of value argument, and again, he pushes back on that concept. Is it being used as a store of value? It's a speculative, volatile store of value. Is it being used as a payment anywhere? Are we buying cups of coffee with it? Not really. The only payment mechanism it's being used for uh, in, in sort of an, in a primary sense is illicit activity. So again, he's obviously not a big fan of the commodity itself, but that's okay. There are a ton of other underlying assets and other ETF products that are also speculative in nature. It's up to the investor at the end of the day to decide what is appropriate for their own portfolios. Um, all in all, I think that the approval of the product was inevitable, but because it's now exponentially easier for individuals to buy Bitcoin, my worry is that people who don't know what they're getting themselves into will take whatever they have left from their uh, cannabis sector crash and jump onto the next uh, bandwagon. They're going to end up getting hurt. As always, when you're speculating, only invest what you can afford to lose. I know everyone can't tune in and watch every one of our YouTube videos, but we do have you covered. Did you know that you can listen to all of our YouTube videos in podcast format? So maybe you're out driving, maybe you're out for a walk, maybe you're just trying to fall asleep to some stimulating economic news. Well, every video that we post on YouTube also has a podcast version. So go ahead and look us up on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Or if reading is your thing, subscribe to our Pulse newsletter, which comes out every weekend. The U.S. annual inflation rate rose more than expected in December, coming in at 3.4%. That's up from the 3.1% that we saw in November. Markets had been forecasting 3.2%. On the positive side of things, um, energy costs were down 2%. Gasoline was down 1.9%. Utility gas services down 13.8%. And fuel oil fell 14.7%. On the flip side, some of the notable increases were food costs up 2.7%, shelter rose another 6.2%, and transportation services were up 9.7%. These latest numbers were uh, surprisingly higher than expected and they caught a lot of people off guard. And this really brings into question uh, whether the, the U.S. Federal Reserve will actually start cutting rates in March. As it stands today, the market is pricing in a 70% chance of a 25-point basis cut in March. But that's down from 75% just last week. And the odds that rates will be held in the 525 to 5.5% range um, are now 26.7%. Greg McBride, he is the chief financial analyst at Bankrate. And he believes that these higher than expected numbers are going to have an effect. And by effect, I mean a negative effect on the Fed's upcoming decisions. He says... Inflation, as measured by the CPI, is moving in the right direction, but this release should squash any notion investors had of a March rate cut from the Fed. A core inflation, which strips out the volatile food and energy costs, that registered a 3.9% year-over-year gain. That's down just a smidge from November's 4% rise. Social media giant Meta, they've offered to settle a class action lawsuit by paying $51 million to certain users in four Canadian provinces. This is a dispute that arose as Meta used some of its users' images and names in Facebook's sponsored stories advertising program without uh, obtaining their permission. In the original court filing, the plaintiffs sought damages of between $830 million and $2.1 billion. So Sponsored Stories um, was a program that ran back from January 2011 to May of 2014. And if someone liked a product under the program, Facebook would generate a news feed, um, endorsement essentially using the name and profile of the user's photo, but didn't tell them that their uh, image was being used. 
In June 2022, Justice Nitya Iyer of the BC Supreme Court, she cleared the way for a class action lawsuit to proceed. And she agreed that on its merits, the uh, Facebooks hadn't received express or implied consent to use up their the, the user's likenesses. In that ruling, she said, the court also accepted the plaintiff's arguments that Facebook's terms of use did not allow Facebook to feature class members in its advertisements. To participate in this settlement, you need to have been a resident of BC, uh, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, or Newfoundland, and a member of Facebook at any time between January 1st, 2011 and May 30th, 2024. Um, individuals will be eligible to join the legal action if they, at any time during this period, were registered with Facebook using their real name or had a profile picture that included an identifiable self-image or both and had their real name, identifiable portrait, or both used by Facebook in a sponsored story. Now, one estimate has it that as many as 4.3 million people could qualify as part of this Canadian class action suit. I will put a link here for our Pulse newsletter, which we publish every weekend. I will also link to our Investing Academy. Thanks so much for watching this video. We'll see you on Wednesday.